Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I tell everybody, my lead is 50 foot long. Stay about that far behind the end of that lead. Try to be quiet. Not to be out here hooping and hollering. That dog's trying to work. I mean, if you back here yelling in the dark, he might, you know, especially young dogs, they get distracted fast. Welcome back to GDIY, Gun Dog It Yourself. I like that voice. You got the <laughs> you got the the good podcast voice going, Nick. Hey, you know you got to change things up, attract new listeners. You know, welcome back. Yes, uh, this week we're coming at you live from the uh, Gun Dog It Yourself <laughs> recording studios. We uh, seriously, guys, we're 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 excited about this week. We have yet another interview coming up. We have uh, this is going to step out of what what we've re- mainly been talking about since we launched this, which was bird dogs and what we're familiar with and versatile dogs and everything. We are going to you know go into the world of blood tracking with hound dogs. Yes, yeah, so this is what GDIY is about. We're trying to hit on all the different types of dogs that are out there, different breeds. This is just one of the branches that we're, we're going out on here. Yeah. So uh, we have for our interview, Charles Miller. He is a blood tracking specialist here in Middle Tennessee, but he goes, as we found out, really everywhere. Anywhere. Anywhere. And, Except uh, for Africa, and where was the other place? I think He's, South America. Okay, that, that guys, if you're in Africa or South America, I, I think you're SOL. Sorry. Yeah. Because he's got a hell of a bloodhound. Yeah. So this is what we're doing, guys. We're reaching out, getting some different breeds uh, in here, talking about them, just trying to learn uh, how how these dogs are trained and um, and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I think blood tracking overall is kind of an overlooked activity or specialty with with dogs but you know coming from i think as we've mentioned before we're kind of generalists so we we deer hunt as well as as bird hunt and everything and i know a lot of you people kind of do the same thing and you know anybody that's deer hunted has been in the position where they've had a tough track and it's 
it's phenomenal what these dogs can do to help track down a deer for you when you know if the if the blood trail is light if it's non-existent you know these dogs do phenomenal work in the field and they can save you a deer and i I don't think people put enough stock in the fact that when they get a shot on a deer they you know maybe it wasn't the best shot they'll just chalk it up to oh it's it's alive and it's you know we'll hunt it another day i don't think people realize how often those deer eventually expire and really you know that's that's kind of like their deer that should be tagged and charles goes out of his way and has helped a lot of people recover those deer and those trophies and those special moments for kids and it's just unreal what this guy does so he said we didn't get to get this on the podcast but afterwards we got to talking and he had 87 tracks last season that he did yeah this guy gets out there and this was all over uh the southeast and the midwest and i think he he's he made some pretty far trips last year. Yeah, he's he's in here down here in uh, Nashville, and he makes trips regularly to Ohio. And, and the way he puts it is, you know, these people put in the time and the money for these special tags and once in a lifetime tags. Sometimes it's it's invaluable what he does to help these guys recover these deer. And I I truly feel like not enough people give these dogs credit for what they're they're capable of doing. Well, I've been in the position, and I think you have as well, <clears throat> where we need a blood tracking dog. Yes, you know, and and that has been uh, there's been a time where I've I've reached out to one, and it, the timing hasn't worked out. And so, um, if anybody's ever lost a deer, they know the feeling, you know, you always want to have somebody to be able to call and, um, this is your man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I found this guy, my buddy, Jacob Myers with the Southern Outdoorsman. Give him a follow. If you're a, a deer hunter, they, that they, they are very, what, what was the right word to describe Jacob and Andrew enthusiastic psyched psyched for deer <laughs> they they their podcast is unreal guys seriously give them a follow if you have an interest in uh especially southern hunting but jacob used charles a couple times last year and i was out there with jacob trying to track down one deer specifically one night we we're out there for a few hours and i mean there was a decent blood track and we tracked it as far as we could go and granted it, it was nighttime but we we eventually got to a spot that we just we couldn't continue anymore and we couldn't find that deer and Jacob was you know fortunately for for him you know he's the type of guy that it, this was just a doe and he was he was bound and determined to get that doe back he shot the doe and he took the responsibility and the desire to to recover that doe and he called Charles and Charles came out there and found that deer and you know that's after us covering ground for hours and grid searching and following track and everything and he came out there and it was just a routine find for charles and that just goes to show what these dogs are capable of that you know yeah we we can grid search and find our own deer but these dogs just make life a hell of a lot easier sometimes yep so charles in this podcast he goes over um a lot about how he trains his his dogs and um, how he goes about finding the dogs. And really, it seems like, and you'll hear this, I love this about it, 
it seems like he takes a uh, pretty natural approach in, in training these dogs, just exposing them to opportunities and just yeah. letting them figure it out. Absolutely. And if we let Charles talk all night long on just the stories that he has, we would still be listening to him right now. It, he he has stories that, I mean, yeah. endless stories. And I want to say this. Charles is the quintessential dog man. He is <laughs> pumped up talking about his dogs. Yes. And I love that. I love that. And so you can you can really feel the excitement when you're in the room talking with him. When he was in the studio, he was pumped. Yes. You know, and that's the energy that, that I love being able to, to feed off of when we're doing this. Absolutely. And so, you know, we, we know not everybody has tracking dogs, but if you're a deer hunter or just dog dog you know enthusiast i think you can get something out of this i mean even though it's specifically blood tracking and deer tracking just the methods that he kind of looks at it and trains it's all the same with all dogs no matter how you're directing them so you know obviously he he directs them in blood tracking and 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 tracking deer but some of the methods and the baby steps and the association that he does with these dogs, you can apply to other dogs, whether it's rabbits or birds or whatever there, you can take something from this, even if you're not a uh, deer guy. For sure. So I guess without any further ado, what do you think? You think we just let them hear the thing? I don't think anybody tuned in to hear us talk. That's right. So So before we get to Charles, the normal as always follow us instagram facebook gundog it yourself rate us share us uh that you know that goes a long way every time people share us we get a lot more followers and if you want if you have any topics you want to hear anything you want a correction you know we suck at what we do we don't care we want to hear it all let us know you know shoot us a message and we're getting some pretty good responses so far especially for as young as we are it's it's pretty you know it's pretty much taking us by surprise so uh keep it up and follow us and share us and yeah i think we can get to uh what people want to hear and that's that's charles talk about finding these deer all right y'all have fun All right, guys, this is Nick with GDIY with Austin. We're sitting here with Charles Miller. He's a uh, blood tracking specialist, and he runs a couple bloodhounds, and he's been doing this for a few years, and he's actually our first guest on this podcast that isn't uh, really bird hunting related. So I guess this is kind of the uh, deer hunter special before we get into the deer hunting season. But, uh, Charles, we appreciate you coming out and giving us your time tonight. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. So, uh, to be straight up honest, we don't know hardly anything about blood tracking, uh, you know, other than just, you know, you shoot a deer and the deer runs off and the, and the dog tracks it down. So we may be asking you some pretty stupid questions tonight. <laughs> okay. Uh, if it's a stupid question, you can say, Hey, that's pretty dumb. I'm not going to answer that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners, uh, out there, they, uh, they're primarily bird hunters too. So they may be pretty interested in this. So okay. anything you want to touch on, just feel welcome to but uh i guess just kind of to start off just give us a quick introduction tell us where you're from you know what got you interested in blood tracking and kind of the area and regions that you do this in. okay um i'm from lebanon uh well, i currently live in lebanon 
and uh, and how I got tra- how I got started in this. Youngest son shot a deer, couldn't find it. Called a, a guy that's supposed to have a good dog, and he actually has a good dog to come look for it. But we didn't find the deer, and um, we talked for two three hours walking around in the woods, and that led to another thing, and I ended up buying me a bloodhound puppy, pretty much, and that's and it started. It started there. Now, I researched for probably two weeks before I bought a bloodhound puppy. And I, I personally am one of those guys that if you're going to do it, you need to do it. Right. If you're not going to do it, then don't do it at all. I mean, because bloodhounds are a lot of dogs. There's other dogs that can do it. The difference is a bloodhound's got more tools than any other dog to do that. Right. Sort of like a doctor. There's a guy going to come in with a big bag and a guy's going to have a cabinet. I want the guy with the cabinet. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. Not that this guy can't get it, Absolutely, but you, you know man. what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's just the deal. Now, they're, they're, every dog's different. Uh, if you don't have a lot of time with them, you got to pick a different dog. Uh, you have to work with bloodhounds because they will smell anything. Yeah. And uh, I, I read a lot of books. I did a lot of research. And, um, you know, I, the biggest thing for me was learning that if a dog's not doing what you want it to do, it's because it doesn't know what you wanted to do. It's not because dogs exactly. don't. It's right. not because exactly. you're, you're just not getting it through to him yet. But once they make that connection, it's, they can smell anything. Yeah. It doesn't, you, you can teach a dog to, they only do one thing, they sniff. Yeah. And so you can teach them to do anything. That's great. That's kind of the theme of our podcast, really. We're trying to make sure that everyone knows how to, look, it's not the dog's fault. You mm-hmm. got to train that dog right, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all about association, right? That's mm-hmm. what we're going, uh, going to, yeah. going towards. So yeah. well, let's break that down a little bit. Um, you said that you you look for the dog, um, uh, obviously for a few weeks before you decide to purchase one. How did you decide on the pairing or that puppy uh, that you ended up getting? What what were you looking for in the background of that dog? You know, I for I wanted a black and tan dog. Okay. And that was my number one. I'm a visual person. It's got to look good to me for anything to work. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it tastes like. Hey, I mean, it's it, all right. It, it needs to look good first. <laughs> yeah. And also for can me, relate to that. And, and so, 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 for, so my dog choices were I was looking for a black and tan. Well, I called. Now, we're talking uh, December. De- December. Yeah, I'll say uh, yeah, right around December. And you would think you could find a black and tan bloodhound, but I wanted one that was that had paper, so I knew I was getting a bloodhound. And I couldn't find anybody around here that was willing to sell me a bloodhound and let me have breeding rights. They want to give you their dog, and then they don't want you to breed their dog. Limited well, registration. I mean, yeah, limited. And I am in the world I live in. I give you a lot of money for something. I want all of it. Yeah, it's just the world I live in. So I end up. Um, it was a, believe it or not, I was on Craigslist and I found a girl in Alabama that had an ad on some bloodhound puppies and she had a bunch of, I'm going to call them red, buckskin, but they were all lighter looking dogs. And I contacted her. She did. I tried to contact her. She didn't call back. I, I tried to get a hold of her two or three times. She didn't call back. And finally I sent her a message and said, do you want to sell these dogs or not? Well, she sends me a picture. She thought I was spam is what she ended up telling me. She sends me this picture of all the dogs she has left. They had little collars on them and everything. Well, there's this one dog that was darker than the rest of them, this one puppy, but she only sent me one picture of him. The rest of them, I had pictures of all the rest of the little dogs in the litter. And uh, she said, well, did you decide on which one you want? I said, where's that dark dog at? 
She said, I was going to keep him. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's the one I want. I want the dark dog. Because I thought he was going to be black and tan because he was dark looking puppy. Yeah. Now, his dad and his mom are red. I mean, his dad is, a, is, a, is almost that color with a solid black face. The coolest bloodhound you ever want to see. And his mother's just red. And my dog, Dallas, that you've seen as Dallas, is, he looks like his mom. He looks yeah. nothing like his dad. So anyway... Um, the wife came home and I said, hey, I got a puppy picked out. I'm going to get it. And she said, no, no, you ain't going to get a dollar. I said, I'm leaving Saturday morning. You want to go? <laughs> it was Pine Grove, Alabama. We drove uh, down there, met the lady. She had him in a little basket like they carried them little pot belly pigs. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. She had him in a little, little bag like a bread <laughs> basket or something. You know what I mean? And he was all wrapped up in there and he had an Auburn blanket on. That was the only part because I'm an oh, Alabama fan. And God. I was like, dang, gum it. So that anyway, didn't turn you away? Nah, it almost rubbed me off, but I wanted that dog. And uh Man, so we got him, did I finalized a little deal and stuff and got him and we was bringing him back and he was whimpering the whole time. He's just kind of going, he's just whining. And then my wife was holding him and he's riding down the road and all of a sudden, I mean, he was like, he's going, uh, uh, and he goes, uh. let out that hound, Dude, he baby. howled. I bet you howled for three miles. And I thought, oh man, it was the coolest thing. And, and he just, man, bloodhounds love affection. They love being, I, I mean, I've had a lot of dogs in my life and I've been around a lot of hunt dogs and my dogs stay inside. I have a pen for them. I put them in and let them go out, you know, and they stay out very lengths of time, but they stay in the house. A lot of people don't believe you can have a house dog and be a good hunting dog. Yeah. Well, if it's not doing what you want to do, it's not because it's living in the house. It's because yep. you just, right. it, you're not delivering the message right. So anyway, we got him back. And uh, the first thing I did, I mean, I did a lot of reading and I, I, I killed a lot of deer. So I've always, I always got stuff laying around. So I, um, Funny thing is, I took a treat, and it was a little treat, and what I would do is, I'd already instructed the family, do not tell the dog the things that I tell the dog, because you see me doing it. What I'm teaching this dog is what I want him to do for me. You guys are not allowed to say the things that I say, and they're not very complicated things. I was saying stuff like, find it, yeah. leave it, get to work. <laughs> you know, common <laughs> words you should use every day. Yeah, so, right. so, um, but you said you, you, we've, we've hit on this a little bit in our other podcast. You, before you got the dog home, you kind of set the rules for the house. Right. Cause it, he was, <laughs> he was <laughs> like, uh, believe it. I mean, I say this, my wife gets mad. He's more of a business partner for me yeah. and he was a pet for them. And I'm like, he, it's okay that he's a pet, but he, he has a job. So he gets yep. to sit around and do nothing till the, these five months coming up get here and then it's we're this wide is not open. a companion dog it's, it's a working dog and, and we're best friends and we understand each other and i spent so much time this dog is, is unbelievable yeah. and and but you know when you when i trained him i took a uh a treat just a little old treat now I, I feed my dog uh grain-free food or some expensive food and uh but they sold me on the fact it was gonna keep him healthy and keep his energy level up i'm like okay well that's the case that's what I want. You know, I want to use the, the right oil instead of the stuff yeah. that's not, you know, the not the good stuff. Anyway, so I would give him these treats and I'd put them right in front of him. And as soon as I give it to him, I say, find it. And when he's looking at me, I'm giving it to him. He, so he's just, he's just grabbing it, eating it. Well, I got, so I would just put them on the floor and I'd say, find it. And he'd get it. And then I'd start throwing them to him and he'd start looking for them. Well, when he would start looking for him, he'd get where well, he'd get every one of them. He'd just keep looking around because he had them big old ears flopping around on the floor. Ears pick up scent. The nose has yeah. got all these different chambers. So he's getting everything in. And then I got to the point. Now, this was in the house. When we got to the point of going outside, I started putting drop of uh, blood on the treats, deer blood on the treats. And I would put them in a line. The trick to this is you want the dog to find every one of them. 
success. I don't care if the line's that long or from here to that door. You want him to – he needs to find them all. Get his paycheck his, at the end of and it. And then you need to reward him. At, at like like the, it's the best thing in the world. Like he done figured it out. You know yep. what I mean? Because he doesn't know. And you just keep doing that and gradually just – Space them out. If he doesn't get them all, no big deal. As long as he gets the last one, because I've had track deer that my dog has been working what I thought was a track, and he throws his head up and say, "Deer's over there," and we just take off and we go over there, and there deer is, because wind moves sin around, you know. And and who? I mean, you could have walked that way, and the dog's like, and all of a sudden he gets a whiff of a real deer. Not the fake scent that we done got spread around because we've been out here walking around looking for the deer before the dog got here, and, he, and they just find it. So we did that. I made it easy for him and fun. We transitioned from that to me laying um, tracks, and uh, that's a that's a – I use a tracking stick. You can use uh, tracking uh, – you make tracking shoes. You can use a rope and a, and, a, and a piece of fabric. I mean, you could use whatever you like. There's no set way to do it. I took a deer's foot and made me a homemade tracking stick. I walked with it like a cane. I put, and a deer has four feet, I use one foot. So if he can smell mine, now surely he can smell four, you know, yeah, of the right. real deer. Yeah. And, and I, I call the stuff the juice. A lot of people didn't call it that when, when I started, but I call it the juice. And what it is is you can age, you can take a trail, you can take some blood out and lay it out there and, and let it sit for 24 hours and that trail, that, that's a 24-hour-old track. You can take that same blood, put it in a bottle, and add water to it, and that does the same effect as aging the track because it okay. makes it weaker, yeah. okay? So what I started doing was I'd get me a water bottle like that, put a hole in the top, put some blood in there, put some water in there. Didn't really matter what kind of water. I never thought about if it had anything in it. Just put some water in it. Took it out, squirted it in where I wanted him to start, and then I would just randomly just kind of squirt, and I'd walk with that foot, and I'd lay it, and i for him, I had a big, it's a PVC like tracking stick. So I would leave it at the end of the track. So to give him a visual of something. So, because even now when he gets close to a deer, he starts looking for the deer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As well as my other dog, my female dog, my younger one, she doesn't look for the deer. She bumps into him because she's uh -huh. following that track because I'm training her a little bit different because I'm going to compare the two. Because I know the one, the way I did Dallas works, but I'm trying to. Compare another yeah. method. Compare another guy's way of doing it yeah. versus the way that I did it. Because I know. And then your next one, you can take what you liked out of both of them. And exactly. Apply it to yeah. You know, the one thing that you lose when you, when you, when you, do, it, when you do it the way, the, the, the second way, the latter of the two, I trained Dallas on mock tracks and situations and, and stuff like that. Trying to make, I'm making his mind think. I know what he's thinking. I know when he's trying to figure stuff out. And I just I knows what he I know what he's doing. Emery, I'm not training her that way. I'm training her, or I trained her to take her to a shot deer. I take her to a deer that's been shot, regardless to how good the shot is, let her find that deer. There's guys that believe you do that 20 times, your dog will finish itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It may or may not, I don't know. But I know that the way I train Dallas does work. So You're kind of doing a natural way the second time around where you, you find that the, the or you're just you're not doing the the mock track uh, right. tracks. You're just right. going straight to the actual right. thing. But what you lose with that is she doesn't get puzzles. Dallas got puzzles. Like I would double back on Dallas, go up the fences, cross it, go back over it, cross it, get in the water, walk all the way down it. She doesn't get that. She's relying on what 
all the deer, what the deer does. really did. And Dallas, I know when we get to water, if my dog goes in that creek, that deer went in that creek. I, I went on a track one time out in, uh, it, was, it wasn't Shelbyville, it was out going to a Shelbyville. A young boy had shot a good buck, shot him in the chest. His dad said, I know he hit him hard because he, he buckled when he hit him. I'm thinking, okay, but but that's why I'm out here because he hit him so good. So, um, right. the, the deer, the, the deer ran out of the field, runs through the fence row. Through the fence row, there's one drop of blood. They can't tell if it went to the right, which means it's going to have to cross this creek, or if it went anywhere from straight back this way from 12 o'clock to to four o'clock, he was going to, have to cross the creek, or if he just went straight, or if he turned left. So. Dallas, we get out there. The guy's like, it happened right here. Well, my Dallas is already pulling to go to us because I run a 50-foot lead on mine. I mean, I run a long lead, which the guys don't agree with. But I don't want to walk every step that that bloodhound walks. Yeah. If I can hold 50-foot back, stay 50-foot off of him and let him walk around here in this field, I'm going to do that and I'm going to stand here and watch. <laughs> kind of fan cast, you know what I mean? Yep. And so Dallas goes through the fence row. The guy said, that's where he went in at. And as soon as he goes through that fence row, he goes straight on an angle to this creek. And I knew it. I knew it. At that moment, I said, deer will cross the creek. He gets to the creek. He looks up and down the creek, goes down the side of a little bit, turns, go back over to the fence row, comes up this side, sticks his head in there where we just come out of, turns, make a bigger loop this time, goes back around, ends up almost exactly at the first spot. And I know what this means, but I'm, I'm going through the motions. He does the same thing again. This time he goes all the way in the other direction, gets up there, starts walking around, turns around and goes back to the creek. I said, the deer crossed the creek. He said, you sure? I said, dog went to the creek three times in a row. Deer's crossed the creek. It's a wide creek. It's December. There's two <laughs> nine-year-olds out here with us. The water's over my knees, and it's moving pretty good. The nine-year-olds can't walk across it, so they actually, I thought they were coming with me. He said, well, we, got, we can go over there on that side. It's a big cow pasture. Well, I'm thinking they're coming with me. So I said, all right, Dallas, let's go. So me and Dallas take off across this creek. I mean, we're wading in the rapids. I turn around, these guys are gone. I see lights going through the woods. They done went and got a four-wheeler and come around through the farmer's gate yeah. to get back there. Well, I done went through this creek. Well, so Dallas. You're like, appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, yeah I'm soaking wet. Dallas Thanks for freezing. the heads up. Yeah. Dallas uh, gets out, man. He sniffs around the edge a little bit, and he goes straight across his cow pasture. Well, a lot of times, cow pastures, low-cut low cut grass, dirt roads, gravel, hard surfaces, it's tougher to hold. The, the scent. It's not held as well. It's in grass and stuff right, like that. Right. The harder the surface, it, it blows around. It's, it can be challenging for some dogs. Well, Dallas is going across his cow pasture. It's all the way in this far corner. And it's the, um, you know how when they piled, um, when they bulldoze or they cut wood down, they pile it in a big pile. Yeah. They don't burn it, make it like a big rabbit, brush snake den. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what's in this field. Well, the deer went behind this, this, uh, this big pile of trash, and there's a deer run there. And there's blood everywhere. He's on. Now, I hadn't seen any blood the whole time all this done happened. From the time we come through that fence to this point, there's no blood. We're, we've covered a mile at this point. Okay? We're a mile. And the dog, and I see all this blood, and I'm calling these guys and say, hey, man, I got blood over here. And they're like, where you at? I'm like, way back here in this back pasture. They're like, all right, we'll be there in a minute. And I mean, on the four-wheeler, it's taking them forever. <laughs> and the deer jumped the fence. Well, when he jumped the fence, another old fence, I knew what was wrong. There's blood all over the fence. I'm like, he blew his leg off. Because mm -hmm. that's the only way you're going to have all this blood. And, and so he blew his leg off. Well, long story short, 
1.3 miles later, we found that he bed down four times. And that he, he, after he jumped that fence, he went in the, I call it straw grass. You know those brooms they used to make out of that brown straw yeah. years ago? He went in a field like that, and he made a big circle and double-crossed his track, and then he bed down three more times. He was in the fourth one. And Dallas actually went for the circle the first time, and it kind of threw him off. We went back to the fence. And he got back up, and he did it again. And that time, he went through it. I said, oh, he got him now. And he was in the fourth bed. Was his leg gone? Oh, it was gone. <laughs> yeah. But you yeah. got the kid his, his butt Yes, back. and it was, man, it was, it was a beautiful deer. That yeah. guy, you should, the dad was more excited than the, than the kid. Yeah. I mean, the dad was hooping and hollering. The uncle was out there, man. And it was just like, man, look at this. And I, it was one of my coolest ones. I, it, it, it was probably the best one I've done. That's okay. awesome. That that is awesome. So you mentioned the younger dog that you have. Is uh-huh. it Emery? Emery. So how'd you go about getting Emery? I wanted a black and tan dog. Yeah. But this time I found a black and tan. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I preferably knew, without the Auburn blanket this time. Without the Auburn blanket. Okay. So with with Emery, the, the I wanted a female dog because I was like, you know. I'm pretty good at this tracking thing. I mean, I, I can train these dogs because they, yeah. they want to smell stuff. I said, man, you know what? Long story short, I might, in year, I'm 52, I might retire one day and just breed them and train them and cut them loose at four to six months old and charge five grand for them, whatever the case yeah. may be. Because there's a market for them. Because I, I, there's guys for the police department, bloodhounds go, train bloodhounds for police work is anywhere between six and $15,000 for a trained dog. Mm. Yeah. Uh, of course, not a city paying for that. You know, so uh, so so it's a little different, but I see you got you. You're thinking about. I'm this, just thinking right? about the possibility because, <laughs> man, that, honestly, there's so many people out there that didn't know that you had people out there that, that found there, and it's it's a cool thing. Yeah, if you get one and you don't have time to train it, you're wasting that dog. I've got buddies that had blue ticks and had all these hound dogs. They bought them because they look cool. And they end up giving them away, and I don't ever want to give one of my kids away and I'm not going to give my dog because they're, they're like part of yep. the family. Exactly. And so, I mean, you may be a great parent, but you can't have kids. So I, I can train the dog. Yeah. And then if you do what, just do what you, just go deer hunting, you'll have a dog that'll do whatever you want to do and you don't have to, the cool thing is, it doesn't have to be a deer that you gut hit. You want to see the dog work, any deer you shoot, just yeah. go get the dog. Yeah. Yep. Because, I mean, he's good. the dog don't know that you know the deer's dead. Yep. Just take the dog out there, and you'll see him do everything that – because every – if you – I've killed a lot of deer in my life, hunted a long time. Every deer track is different. Every deer I've ever shot, none of them ran 15 yards and just fell over. And if one did, that was the only one. The other ones ran 30. Some of them ran – some of them ran a long way. Some of them we didn't find. Yeah. So everyone's different. Some of them went in the creek, and, I, and I'll tell you this. If you shoot a deer around some water, if he lives long enough, He's going across that creek at some point. Go to the creek. They always do it. I don't, I'm not saying they die in it, but if there's water on some property and I'm tracking it, I can assure you that deer would cross that creek because I always got to cross the water. Yeah. They just, for some reason, they just do it. I don't know if they, I don't know if they're trying to get away, but they always cross that water. It's interesting. All the time. They'll find them in a ditch. A lot of times, um, intestine hit deer. And that's the difference between guts and intestine. You hit a deer up in here, that's his stomach. That's his guts. That deer will be dead, you know, 12 to 18 hours, 24 hours. You hit a deer in the intestines, which is back here, it may take him three days to die. Mm-hmm. So even though I can put the best dog in the world on him, he can still keep walking for three days. Yeah. He's actually got to die of, like, poison. 
and gas. He can't use the bathroom is what, what, is what kills him, is my guess. And those deer always die near water because they get thirsty because they can't eat. They can't die. They can't. They, they may be able to digest to a certain point, but then they, they, they can't pass anything. So I guess they just get thirsty and they go to water. And hmm. I tell people, if we track an intestine hit deer and you don't find him, go to that water. Anywhere where there's water at, a week from now, go to it. Wow. What you think it was. That's interesting. So so you got the second pup, your retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say, I mean, I know that you are talking earlier that you had your puppy tracking i mean weeks old mm-hmm. what but on average from the time you get a puppy what kind of timeline are you looking for to have a reliable tracker to where you're comfortable you know for a client to call you say hey i need help you say okay we're on our way about how long would you say an average dog takes i mean every dog's different but what would you say it would take that you're shooting for to be able to to use in a in a client scenario if it's a bloodhound puppy and you work it every day like I work mine, four months that dog be ready to roll. If it's a, and I only say that because I have bloodhounds. I don't know how long it'll take a Catahoula or or Dotson to do it. I would say, I would think that if you spent the same amount of time on any dog, it probably would be ready in four, four, to, six, four to six months if you work it as much as I did. The biggest thing is, is just keep doing it. It's repetition. If you, with anything, if you barely put a little time in, you're not going to get the results you want. So your training sessions, I know you were talking about how you extended the time or the uh, distance. Mm -hmm. Typically, how long were your training sessions? Well, the tracks, um, because they picked up as we went. They they may have gotten, if if they were more difficult, I would make them shorter. If they were more if, for, if there were long, straight lines and stuff like that, then it, it, it may take an hour. It doesn't take a tracking dog long to run a track. He can run six, 700 yards in no time. Especially it's the obstacles in his way. Yeah, I mean, he can just, because most people, when you lay the track, you're, you're walking around bushes and you're, you know, you're, not, you're, you're not thinking like a deer is trying to survive. But you, it's an easy track, and you want the dog to find it. But I, you can do it. And there's guys who's doing it for 10 minutes, taking them out and working with them 10 minutes at a time. And there's guys like me that, you know, I'm walking my dog. It's 90 degrees outside. I got him outside walking two, three miles right now. And they're like, you're trying to kill us. Well, I mean, I I go for five months, and I cover the Midwest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I go anywhere. I, I mean, when I tell you I go anywhere, you could call me in Colorado and say, I got a bull elk down, and I'm going to tell you, this is how much a first-class round-trip ticket costs. That <laughs> this is what it's going to cost for the dog. This is how much it's going to take and meet me at the airport. <laughs> I'm on the way. Let's do it. I, the, I mean, because I mean, just do it. Because uh, honestly, if you got, if if you can afford to go elk hunting in Colorado or wherever it is, and you kill a trophy, and you need a dog, are you gonna let that animal just stay out there? Right. I mean, I, I, if if it's a trophy animal, and most of these guys are hunting trophy animals, especially now, everybody's want trophy. You know, you spend this money at these 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 outfitters and all this stuff. You shoot it, it's yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether you find it or not, you drew blood. That's your tag. You don't get another one. And if that means telling a guy, calling a guy in with a dog, hopefully it's somebody closer. But it may be me or or one of my friends. And if they can go, they're gonna go. I mean, I'm gonna go. Yeah. It don't matter where it is, I'm going. So- I, I'm not going to Africa. <laughs> or, or, or Australia, them are the two places, or South America. I'm not staying in the United States. Well, okay. well, well on that topic, uh, you know, 
co- not coming from the blood tracking world, is there like bucket list, you know, everybody has these bucket list hunts. Is there like a bucket list tracking scenario for you that you just dream of? Like, yes, that would be awesome. My first elk. I can't wait to find my first elk. I went out to two last year, two different times, and we jumped the first elk, and mm. they never recovered me because he was uh, three days later he was still on the side of the mountain, mm. and, and he could get up and run three days later. Where so, was that? Yeah, that was in Kentucky. Okay, yeah. that's in Kentucky. He was he just happened to have been shot from a really really long way away with a really big gun, and it didn't work out. Uh-huh. Uh, he should have been about Man. a half mile closer, yeah. and. Uh, and, wow. he, and, and the elk probably would be on the wall, but it was supposed to be a 400 plus inch elk. And uh, I, I really Man. want to find one. Uh, elk, elk's my. That's that, your target. That's that, that, that uh, uh, elk is, is, is the number one, I th- is the one number one thing I think. And next is a book in Boone and Crockett book. I want to find a 170 inch deer. I, the biggest I found is 155. I want to find a 170. And from there, I'd need to find me a 200. And if I do that, you know, I, I, I think I'd covered it all. No moose or anything? I just got to go where there's bears at. Yeah. There's grizzly oh, bears where there's moose at, see? Yeah. And so I don't yeah. know if I, I'm trying to stay away from anywhere where there's <laughs> things that eat dogs and people. <laughs> <laughs> I like that standard there. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. So uh, going back to the training of these pups, you mentioned that you're using a lead, a 50-foot lead when huh? you're out in the field. Are you using a lead when you're beginning to train those pups from a young age? Yes, I recommend, strongly recommend, whatever you're going to track, with, do it with that dog. And what, by that I mean, if I'm going to teach my dog to track, there's certain gear that I put on my dog that he knows when we put this on, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay? I don't put my lead on my dog when I'm out walking a dog. I take him on a dog leash. I don't put my harness on my dog unless we're tracking. We don't, we don't walk with harnesses on. Because he knows when I start snapping on them harnesses, and my dog can tell when I get a phone call. Dallas can tell you when I get a tracking <laughs> He's call. He's associated that cell phone. He knows, I think, the, I think because I walk when I talk. I'm yeah. a walker. And I think he knows. He can just tell. That he energy. Starts, man, he starts whining, and he's ready to go. And we're, the, we were talking about that last week with, with my buddy Bill. We, you know, these dogs pick up on it, and they, they just know it's go yeah. time, and they're just ready to go. He knows. and, and uh, But, you know, my lead. Any size lead. I personally don't have the, you know, I got 50 foot out. Dallas drags that 50 foot. I'll hold 10 foot of it. I might hold six foot of it. If we're in thick stuff, obviously I got to, I'm choked Shorten up. Shorten it up. But when I'm in rabbit briar and I'm on hands and knees, he may have 45 feet of it out. You know what I mean? Because I can't keep up with him. Um, and it, you, you can buy all different kinds. What I've done is I went to the Home Depot Got some three-quarter inch or a half inch. I think it's polypropylene. It's a uh, rope. It's, it doesn't rot, doesn't mill, doing it floats. Got a couple clamps. Go over to tractor supply. Get a thimble and a couple good clamps. And I, I got pictures of them. And I made, and I just made me a really durable lead. It, it cost me thirteen bucks to make it. I've yep. been three years, just the third season with it. I use a really long one. It's got a lot of benefit. One, obviously, I can change the, the amount of control I have of the dog but when we go down in something really wet and Dallas gets out of that ditch and he's up on the side of that hill and I need just a, something to lean on I can lean on that big dog 
Can't lean on little dog. I'm just, I'm just, being, I'm just being honest. You can't lean on it. Another benefit of that long rope is I tracked for some guys in uh, Clarksville. One was a really older guy, and it was a, it was, you know, how the water gets high, and then there's like we're gonna call it a little creek. The banks get real slick when it dries up oh, and yeah. the water goes down. Well, we had to cross one of them. Deer jumped it. Well, I had to break a limb down to climb up on the other side, but that lead was so long that those other guys. When they got down in there, they just held on to that lead. I just pulled them out with that lead. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do that with a six foot lead True. or a ten foot lead. You know, you need you just tricks of the trade. I just if you go the dog's pulling it. That, yeah. that, that, I don't know a little dog. I mean, he may not want to pull a fifty foot lead, but my dog will drag it. Now, now speaking on the little dogs, have you been around one of those Teckles, the the long haired? Dachshunds, have you seen them in action? I mean, are there any other breeds that you've seen in action that you you can swear by that, okay, these dogs are legit? Uh, okay. I will tell you that there is a guy in Michigan who has what some people think the two best do- tracking dogs in the country, and they're Dachshunds. Yeah. Um, I know him. I haven't met him personally, but we talk a lot. We talk on the phone. We communicate back and forth, social media, and I – I, I run things by him. I'll bounce something off of him if something doesn't make sense to me. Somebody calls me with a crazy story, and, and I'm like, hey, his name is Robert. I'm like, hey, Robert, man, what does it sound like? He'll tell me. Um, man, I'll tell you, I've only seen those dogs work. I've never seen a, 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 a Catahoula work. I know guys has got them. Um, I've never seen coon dogs do it because those are running dogs. You, you you want to stay away from them because they like to run. That's Bloodhounds yeah. don't like to run. That's what I was going to ask you. How do they work? Because part of this podcast is we're trying to you know let these individuals know the characteristics, generally speaking, of different breeds. So okay. can you break that down for us a little okay. bit? Uh, a bloodhound is a walking dog. It's not a fast dog, and they look kind of clumsy. They're designed to smell. They got big ears. They have the skins on their face, so it focuses their attention towards the ground. That's what they are. They, and they can pick up, documented, 13 and thir- 13, 313 hours long is the oldest track that a bloodhound has actually tracked somebody and found it. How long was that? 313 hours. Oof. Wow. Family lost in the desert. I think they, wow. don't they have that old red song about that? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, it, and that's, I mean, and, and a lot of stuff I tell you is all on bloodhounds because that's the only thing that I was even considered. But, um, you, when you get, I call them deer dogs. If you start getting them red bones and walkers and them blue ticks and dogs like that, them dogs are running dogs. Yeah. And they run, they're, they're like, they're hot track dogs. They got a hot nose. They need a, a fresh track. Yep. Okay? A bloodhound don't need a fresh track. As a matter of fact, I don't want him to have a fresh track because that means he's going to drag me <laughs> forever. So you get, you, you, uh, you want a dog to work slow. With little dogs, doesn't really matter because they're not big. They're not going to pull you all over the place. They're not going to cover as much ground. They're not going to cover as much ground. There's a benefit to them. They can go, you know, if you got to lift them up, you can do that. Um, they can go through certain things that a big dog will have to go around. But, I mean, it's just the, the, how you train a dog and, I mean, how much that dog wants to, how, how fun you made it for him. Because yeah. my dog thinks it's a game. He's happy. He's wagging his tail. And, I mean, he just want to get petted when he finds one. He thinks it's a game. So, so you have your finished one, Dallas, and then your young one you're still working on. Uh-huh. But with Dallas, are you still 
you know, putting him through the ringer? How often do you work him and train him still? Or are you just keeping him fresh and shape? What, you know, what's your process with him now? Or is he just pretty much got it and ready to go when you need him? I will tell you that I have never trained Dallas. One, I ne- I've never, I've never took him on a, uh, any, after his first year, we never practiced tracking no more. Okay. Because he knows what he's looking for. You can just he, pick it up. Yeah, we we're not. I'm not. Try, I, I don't have to take that my dog out and hey, let's brushing up on your nose skills. We don't have to. We did. We've done a lot yeah. over over, and I got a lot of videos on YouTube. We've done a lot. He knows what he's looking for. He knows when he sees that harness what we're about to do. And so we're we're looking for a dead animal. He knows that. Um, that's kind of neat. You, you do all the work with your dog and you know, then you, you get to do what you train the dog and then you're, you're just home re- free. Yeah. Rest of the year. You're just, you know, companion, best buds yeah, and hanging I, I, out. I mean, honestly, people ask me all the time, you see blood. I'm like, no, I'm not looking for blood. Yeah. I'm following that dog. That's, that's something I want to talk to you about. When you started training these dogs, you mentioned that you did. Yeah. Did you say you showed them the treat? Or they were taking it right out of your hand. I was I guess. at first when I would give it to them, I would say, "Find it." And okay. Whether out of my hand or right there on the floor. So when you started, I guess transitioning to game or or blood or anything uh-huh. like that, was there any visual cue at all, or did you just say, "Find it" and let them work it? I just told him to find because once he got to the point where he knew I would throw it and there was something to be had, and when I say find it, he would just keep sniffing around until he found it. Um, and I just transitioned. I went from straight blood on the treat to mixing it because a deer doesn't just, a dog is not, contrary to what some people think, a deer is, a dog is not tracking blood. Right. He tracking is a tracking thing. a deer. You can call it whatever you like. They say, well, he, he's tracking that scent out of his, off his feet. Well, I've seen my dog stick his nose on trees. So the deer ain't walking sideways through the woods. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Yeah. He's my dog walking through it. If that deer walks through a field, if my if a deer, if you shoot a buck and it walks through a field, high grass, my dog's nose is not going to the ground. He'll walk through that grass like this, touching that. What every animal smells, all humans have the same have a human smell. Yeah. But all of us have a unique something about us that makes us different. No matter what happened, if we all took a shower and took took off running and start sweating. Each we're all gonna smell human, but all of us are gonna be different. Yeah. And people that know you will probably be able to pick you out and you out or me out over the other one of us. Well that dog is that's what he's doing. When he gets on that track, it's something about that deer. That's the reason he can track through places that's got a lot of deer. That's the reason he doesn't get thrown off. I mean, because he's picked one thing out. Now, what that thing is, I have no idea. But it's something about that deer. I got guys tell me that they don't know if their dogs will track a doe because they trained them on bucks. I don't know if that's true or not. My dog will track both of them. It's just like the guys in our world that say, well, my, do- my dog hadn't pointed a quail, but he's pointed a yeah. pheasant. You know, I don't know if he'll do it. If it's a bird, yeah, that, it's a bird. If you know? I, yeah. if that's, it, that's a good comparison, yeah. Exactly. I, I mean, I've all, I, I don't know. I, when people say that to me, I'm thinking, I mean, it's, it's, it's blood. I'll tell you a quick story. A friend of mine uh, in Kentucky has got a good dog, and he's got a Calahoodle dog. He's got a real good dog. And he called me one day and said, do you want an elk track? And I told him, I says, man, I don't know. This dog ain't never tracked an elk before. He said to me, it's a tracking dog, ain't it? Yeah. 
You just don't overthink it. He's like, you just, just, do just it. go do it. Take him to the track and let him do what he. Do. A, a tracking dog is going to track you. And I and I I never thought about it that way. You're telling me that I can basically take this dog and once he goes to this the 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 spot, if I point out the blood to him, he's going to follow whatever left that. Yeah. And 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 that may be and that may be true. Now I'll tell you something. I had some guys call me. I've gotten three or four, you know, weird calls. But I got a couple of people wanting me to look for some cadavers and stuff. And I'm not, not that I don't think my dog would check up on a body if it smelled it, but he's not trained to sniff, for, you know, humans out. And you don't yeah. want somebody out there doing that when somebody's life is on the line or your yeah. loved ones. You know, if, if you got some loved one that you're missing, I don't care how much I think my dog is great. I don't want to come out there and waste your time or yeah. possibly contaminate an area where a, they a may more experienced be dog a dog who's trained for this. Like, don't bring a cadaver dog out to the woods to track a deer. We're not going to take my dog into a situation. Fair enough. And, uh, that's, that's and you'll good, get them calls. Yeah, that's understandable there. Yeah. yeah, you'll get calls like that. So when you're tracking, and say you're doing a long track, when that dog finally finds the deer, it, is there an alert? Do they sit down? Do they bay? Do they crash in? I mean, do they sometimes bump the deer? Like, you know, what go through the finishing, you know, it, we got the start and the whole long track, but how do they finish the track? Okay. I got two dogs. They're both different. Dallas, when Dallas finds a deer, and it, when he was young, he, he always wags his tail. Soon as, when he knows he sees it, he always wags his tail like, I got it. You know, and then I'd love on him. Oh, that a boy, that a boy, Dallas, and all this stuff. Um, and he used to just go up there, and he'd just be sniffing all around the whole animal. Now, as he's gotten older, if he goes up to one, he starts ripping at the inside of it. Now, I don't know what that's all about, but young dogs don't hardly do it. As they get older, they all do it. All breeds will do it. Mm-hmm. It's what I was told. Emery, when she sees a deer, she just stares at it. Like, she won't. I put her on a track last year, and I saw the deer go that way from my tree. I, I saw it run that way. When I went and got her three hours later, and I brought her down in there, where I saw it run, there was one, there was the last place of blood. She kept going over here. And I, I got the same 50-foot lead on her. I just let her, because I don't coax them. I want them to find it. Figure it out on I, their own. You, you, you yes. figure it out. I'm not urging you. I want you to, it's your brain. I'm going to follow you. Yeah. Well, she kept going over here, and I'm over here, and I'm like, what is she doing? I got a buddy with me. So I said, come here, come here, come here. And she comes over, and she looks at me. I'm like, get to work, find it. She sniffs around, man. She goes right back over there. And she's not doing anything, but just she's just going over there, and she's just stopping. She's just standing there like this. But she's 25, 30 feet away from me, and it's dark. Yeah. The third time she does it, I'm starting to get frustrated. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what are you looking at? So I walk <laughs> over there, and I got this big coon light hat deal on my head yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And I walk over there, and I turn it up on high, and I turn, and I'm like, what are you looking at? And she looks up at me, and then she just looks in the woods, and I turn and look, and that gum, that deer wouldn't land <laughs> 10 feet from her, just laying there. She wasn't doing anything. Like Dallas, that would have been Dallas, he'd have been wagging his tail out of knew what it was. Yeah. She's just, I don't know if she's just not. That was a point. That's what it was. Yeah. That's right. That, maybe that was. The point blood hand. Point bloodhound. Yeah. Point she, blood hand. I she like was it. just sitting there like this, just looking at it. Like, <laughs> like, like, and I mean, it wasn't her first rodeo. She yeah. just, but she's, she's a slower dog. And a, a lot of dogs are different. Dallas is a faster dog. One thing I will caution you against is teaching a dog to run behind a, something that you're trying to get it to track. 
I believe that that has catered to a lot of headache in my early years because he wanted to take off running, move fast, and he'll blow past a turn because I let him, I taught him to, like a rabbit. You put a, a mm-hmm. foot down and make him chase around the yard. I was doing that with him at uh, 10 weeks old. And, and I think now he thought, oh, we're going to run now. And so don't do that. If there's anything I tell you, don't do Don't make him run behind a foot. You can let him walk behind it, but when he starts running, you want to stop that because that eliminate on them dogs pulling you when they get bigger Yeah, because they want to go. One thing I want to uh, circle back on, um, you mentioned when you are in the middle of a track on one of these deer that uh, you don't want to coach the dog, right? <laughs> do you give any commands? Let's First off, I guess let's start. What is the procedure when you start the track? Do you make them sit and then give a command, or how do you initiate the track? And then once you start the track, do you give any commands whatsoever until they reach the end? When, they were, when he was young, when they're young, the commands I use is get to work, find it, leave it. And basically that a boy. Um, when, we, when I pull him out of the truck, we're going to start it from the, I pull up, I get, them out, I get them all strapped up. I tell everybody, my lead is 50 foot long. Stay about that far behind the end of that lead. Try to be quiet. Not to be out here hooping and hollering. That dog's trying to work. I mean, if you back here yelling in the dark, he might, you know, that, especially young dogs, they get distracted fast. So, um, and then what I'll do is I ask people to take me to, I, I don't necessarily have to go to first blood, but if, if we're going to pass first blood to get to where you lost it, I just soon go to first the first heart. blood yeah. because that way I can always reaffirm with you. Is he on it? Cause you already tracked it 200 yards. You're like, Oh yeah, he on it. Mm-hmm. So that when yeah. we get to the end of it, I know for 200 yards, he was following the right deer. Makes sense. Okay. So it's hard to do that at the end of it. But when we're out there for, for Dallas, he had a big thing with coyotes, man, and um, and I, anything that unrelated to tracking a deer was leave it and get to work. How can you tell when you know? Uh, I mean, you see him break from that track. Do you say leave it and then get back on the track, or how? When you say a big thing with coyotes, what do you mean? Okay, they. I don't know what what the deal was with the dogs and the coyote poop, but coyote. Uh, I think it was a scat or whatever. They the bloodhounds are. I don't know if they what they smell in it, but they are attracted to to the whatever it is, the bile of a coyote. Right. Anytime you see them eating something, leave it, because they got strong noses. They eat everything. Bloodhounds eat everything. I don't know how other dogs are, but I'm telling you, bloodhounds will eat anything. Cell phone doesn't matter. Well, um, how you can tell? How I can tell with my dog when he's jump a track, and he has jump tracks. When that dog is working, when my dog's working, he's at a pace. Doesn't necessarily have to be a really slow pace or a really fast pace, but he's at a set pace. If all of a sudden that pace picks up, either your deer's moving or he's got on another deer. Because the track doesn't get hotter as the dog gets closer. Yeah. The only way the track gets hotter is that the animal got up and started moving. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So even a, a, a track that's uh, 15 hours old, that dog is going to be working that track at a, at a certain speed. When that deer gets up out of a bed and move, that deer, that dog is going to start moving faster. And if you train your dog, you'll know that. If you didn't train your dog, you won't know that. Because you have to be with your dog to be able to tell the difference in speed. Exactly. Yeah. Because if, if he's going to start moving faster, 
My, most dogs are good tracking dogs are closed mouth, meaning they don't bark when they track. You don't want a dog that's out there like a blue tick or that yeah. walker or the red bone yeah. because they're, run, they're trying to make something take off running. We're trying to sneak up on it. It's supposed to be dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, And I walk up on them all the time. I mean all the time I walk up on them. That, a buck, you can shoot a buck and he can barely be hurt. He'll go sit up in the woods and sit in the same spot for 10 hours and be sitting there looking at you when you walk up through the woods with a dog. And then he'll just get up and walk off. Mm-hmm. I tell people, if a, blood, if a deer lets a dog get two, three feet from him, that deer is going to be dead here for long. Because he would not let us get that close to him if he could got up and walked yeah, off. Right. Um, once we get to the end of the track, um, like I said, his body language lets me know um, that he's found it. I, hey, good job, good job. That's all that stuff. I let him sniff around and stuff. And then I tie him off because the hunter wants to get in there and, 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 and you know, do, do, do all their thing. And then they, we usually take pictures and stuff like that. I try to keep him away from because, like I said, he likes to tear at them now. So, but it's only the back end. So, yeah, I try to keep him off of that. But um, how many hunters want a picture with you and the dog in it, though? Yeah, they, they, you know, and and everybody, everybody. <laughs> so, I mean, well, it's it's a pretty cool thing. I mean, it really is. I <laughs> I, I enjoy it, man. It's like hunting all over again. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to go track deer. My buddy said, "Hey, man, somebody shot deer. You want to go look?" Yeah. Yeah. I was doing it for fun yeah. 30, 40 years ago, yeah. and now I get to do it again, well, and it's just like hunting. Nick yeah. and I both, I, we both took our dogs. You know, I shot, uh, or my dad actually shot a deer uh, when, when Scout was 10 weeks old, my, my oldest short hair down at our property. And uh, anyways, we went and found that deer, and then I had Scout with me, and I was like, man, let's go have a fun little track. I mean, he's 10 weeks old. Let's go see what he does on it. And... uh I don't know. We'll call it a track, but he was excited when he found it, you know. And I think that Nick's got Lucy out before looking uh, for for. Yeah, some it was deer. just a bit. I shot a doe last year. I saw where she went down. I knew exactly where she went down, but I just got Lucy, and she was three and a half, four months old. And I went and put her down where my arrow was, and just like I wasn't coaxing her, just see what she does, and she followed it. You know, 120, 150 yards, something like that. And They'll do it. It's fun just and, to do it. Yeah, They'll it, do it. It was neat, and I mean, you know, that we have versatile dogs, and uh-huh. so these versatile dogs, they they do, they are known to track. You uh-huh. know, nothing like a bloodhound uh-huh. or anything, but they they some people do track them. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But so you know, you told us a couple story. Tell us one more that just stands out in your mind, and. uh you know, I think that'd be a good good way to finish this out. Give us another good good story. I mean, you could go down the road and talk about Jacob's uh, half-eaten buck that y'all found from the Bobcat if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm. Let me see. I'll tell you one that that um. They're all so good, man. Yeah. They're, 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 well, they are. They all have their own story. Of, they're I all mean, good, good, but yeah. there, there was one. I'll tell you about the the one that the 155 inch deer we found. This guy calls me from Kentucky, and he says, I never hit this buck last night. I know I never hit him. Can't find him. But I don't know if you've been to Kentucky. But Kentucky has some of the largest soybean fields in the world, in my opinion. I, and their soybeans in Kentucky are different than anybody else's soybeans. Their soybeans are waist high. Uh, I don't know why they're waist high, but they're waist high. That's pretty grew, inconvenient for guys. I grew up in Michigan, and their soybeans are knee high. These Kentucky soybeans are waist high. So uh, the guy gets me in Dallas out there, and uh, he's like, man, I shot him. You know, they can bait in Kentucky. He said, I shot him. I, I shot him. He spun, and then he, he ran, and then there, I don't know where he went. Well, he was hunting in between these two fences, and 
it was a it was like a, a it pitched down to nothing. And I was like, well, the deer had to jump the fence. So Dallas gets going, and uh, we we get over to the fence, and I'm like, that deer jumped the fence. But there's no blood around on the fence. And there's very because it's probably 16, 17 hours later. So Dallas goes to the fence. So I got to get him over the fence. Now Dallas is not a jumper. My other dog, Emery, she's a jumper. It's just when you wish you had a Dotson. Yeah, well, yeah, a Dotson, exactly. <laughs> because I have to lift Dallas over stuff. He won't jump. Emery will jump. Emery probably try to jump on that if I told her to. But they're just different. So I get him over the fence. He, he's working this edge of this field between these, this gigantic soybean field and the, the fence row. He's working it. He goes over to the beans, and all of a sudden, he takes off down the side just at a fast, faster than normal. And I'm thinking, man. He on it because I can't tell. But now there's one thing about this dog that I've never understood. He has to use the bathroom when he starts a track, and he has been known to take me uh, ways to go use the bathroom <laughs> to bring me back to this track. And I thought he didn't want to mess up the track. I, I hope that's the case. So we're going down the soy side of the soybean field, and he's moving. Well, now the soybean field is turning to the right, and he gets 25 yards down at this end, stops. Does his business. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. You took me way down here to use the bathroom. So I'm thinking, we got to go all the way back up to where we were, where I know you were actually looking for this, this deer. So when he stops doing his business, he all of a sudden, he's got 50 foot of lead. He starts hopping through this big grass and he's going right down the center. Well, he does that. And you mentioned something about the do, do they alert. Bloodhounds do a thing that a lot of people don't know about. It's called a proximity alert. I would say bird dogs do it. If a if a if when that bloodhound get when my dog gets in an area where it's a deer laying dead at and that wind's doing this, his head comes up and he starts looking. He starts moving around, bouncing, almost like a bird dog. Like he's like he we smells call it getting birdies. Yeah, getting birdies. Yeah, yeah exactly. He starts yeah. acting weird, and I'm like, oh, he here somewhere. And uh, <laughs> well, that's what he was doing in his soybean. I'm thinking it's it's been to happen. Well, he goes all the way down this bean field. I mean, we, we done went 600 yards across this bean field. And I'm like, there is no way that you smell a deer, the deer we're looking for, 600 yards away. Yep. We're going back, taking back to where this deer was shot at. Now, one thing I've learned, when you ask me this other cue that I give him, when I put him on a track, if I, if I, when I put him on a track, especially if I got to take him back because it didn't work out, I don't say anything. I make him stop and sit down. And I just sit there and I tell the guys with me, I say, don't move. He's going to start, he's going to drop that nose the minute start working. He'll sit there about three or four minutes. Sure enough, man, that nose will go to the ground. And that's what he did. He went back to the edge of that bean field, up and down the side of it. It was like he couldn't figure it out. We had to go back over a fence. So as a deer hunter, I'm going to do, I hate to use the word grid search, but we're going to use I'm going to walk this dog around because my dog is capable of winding a dead deer. So we're going to walk around in here. This deer's liver hit. Y'all know he liver hit, so he's got to be somewhere. We check every direction around this, in the woods. We go backtrack. We check out by the trucks. We go everywhere. We check every little clump. I was like, it doesn't make sense. Something's wrong. I take him back to that blood. And I lift this dog over the fence about eight times. He's 100 pounds. <laughs> I take him back to the blood. He, go, he has to go back over the fence to this bean field. And he gets out there, and he's working up and down the edge. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, he goes, just like that. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. And I knew what that meant. That meant I got it. 
And he, I mean, an absolute straight line across that bingo field and that buck was laying right there in them weeds. We wow. actually, when we were, when he was running up that 600 yards, I actually think that he winded that deer, but he could, because the wind was blowing pretty good, he couldn't narrow it down because we run past the deer. Yeah. We, 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 we ran within 75 yards of that deer. When we went up that bean field, that deer was 75 yards. We went right past him. But wow. he, when he was moving, I think that the wind was hitting him down here in this corner, and he was, I'm going to call it drafting, trying to come up, and he just went past it. But I knew that he did. And I'm going to tell you another quick story. <laughs> this was in Illinois. This guy calls me, says, I got a deer in Illinois I shot. It's a big buck. I said, okay, take me to the blood. Well, when we pull him up to this, to this farm, you can see the bean field's been cut. There's deer standing out there. Pull up in the woods, gets me out the truck. I get Dallas all strapped up. We're walking into the woods. He can't find his blood trail. But all the people that you know in the world, I hope they tell everybody they know, when you have blood, mark it with something so yeah. we don't have to stand out there for two hours looking for it. Yeah. Uh, because I don't look for blood trails to start, you need to take me to that because I, I can't spend an hour looking for your blood trail. Yeah. You may not even be in the right part of the woods. Right. So he couldn't find it, but he said, I know where there's some part of this deer at. So he takes me down to the edge of this woods into this bean field that's cut where those deer were standing. As soon as we get down there, he's like, man, there's a little bit of meat right here. And now you can see dried up fat on this limb, a little straw grass. And Dallas goes out makes a circle. He's working too fast. I'm like, that ain't it. This is a 28, it was 27 hour old track. I was like, he's moving too fast. That ain't it. I took him back to that same spot. Let him sit there. He did the same thing, just a bigger circle. I was like, that ain't it. I took him right back there. Never said a word, just took him right back there and sat there and just watched him. About three minutes later, he dropped his nose and he started doing the same thing. And this time he kept out across that bean field. I was like, oh, he got it. Well, this dude is still up in the woods looking for the original blood trail. Because he don't, he said, like, I know I can find it. I'm like, because I told him, I said, tell me you didn't call me out here on a piece of fat. <laughs> and I smeared blood on draw. Drove on to Illinois. For this. He done drove me to, to Illinois for this. And so Dallas just starts out, man, and he's going down this bean field. And I'm thinking, man, he's on it. I mean, he's, you can hear his nose. And the cool thing about bloodhounds, they got a four-chamber nose. They can take scent into their brain that doesn't go into their lungs. They can bring air into their brain that doesn't go into their lungs. So when you hear that nose going, it'll be popping. You'll hear it just going pop, 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 pop. This is working. And when he's doing that, he's, he's Columbo when he's doing that. And, uh, man, <laughs> he's, he's working, man. He goes in the fence row. I'm on hands and knees. He comes back out into the bean field. He's going down there. He goes back up in there. And the rope stops because it's 50 foot. It stops. I'm like, man. I crawl up in there. Sure enough, man, I get up in there. When I stand up, that buck is laying dead right there in them bushes. And I thought to myself, oh, my God. I went to hugging Dallas and everything. Well, the guy's still up there looking for blood. <laughs> I call him. I can see the light. I said, hey, man. He said, yeah. I said, I got him. He said, what? I said, I got him. He said, where you at? Well, my light's got, uh, I'm flashing my light on my hat. And he said, this guy looks like a headless body. With a flashlight on his head, coming, it looked like a ping pong ball coming through the woods. Man, he was bouncing off everything. He hollered and screamed, and it was a good buck. He was absolutely excited. That, that was the the oldest one we did was twenty seven hours, and it was the uh, the in my opinion the least we had to work with because it had it had one. It was very little at the end of it. 
He didn't know where the beginning of it was. It went to a hard service that actually had deer in the field where we were due to track at. That's what he got on first. Yeah. When we first got there, he went after, he was on the track of them, them other deer because he doesn't know that that, that deer hadn't, didn't leave it. He's got to figure it out. Yeah. And then then he got, man, he settled down and settled into it. And when they do that, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm telling you, it's fun to watch. It awesome. gives a whole new meaning to trust the hunter with the longest nose. Absolutely. It's, it's fun but to watch. Yeah, I do. It's fun to watch. Well, Charles, we appreciate this. We can talk stories all night long. We're going to have to have you back on at the end of this season. You can tell us some of the crazy stories y'all get into this year. Oh, yeah. Let us uh, know how the training goes with the young pup, yeah, too. Finish out with the uh, with Emory. Well, real quick, give people a, a rundown how they can find you, you know, contact you, YouTube, what, whatever you have out there that you want people to know about and drum up some business and keep you busier this year. Well, uh, Facebook, I'm on Facebook. If you, you can go Miller's Deer Recovery Services, what I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. You can just uh, hashtag Dallas the Bloodhound. You can go on YouTube. You can go on Google and hashtag Dallas the Bloodhound, and, and he'll pop up everywhere. Um, but I'm out of Lebanon. I go anywhere. I mean, you can just get a hold of me. We're going to talk, figure out the particulars, and figure out what's the best time to go after them. And, um, hey, my phone number is 615-485-1959. You can call me anytime, 24 hours a day. You can call me. There you go, people. Just remember, you shoot it. It's yours. Heck, yeah. Put Sounds a tracker's good. phone number in your phone. I, hey, I wish I would have had a blood tracker's phone number in my phone about four or five years ago. I That thing still gives me nightmares. <laughs> Can't believe I, you If you're a deer hunter and you've lost a deer, you know what that feels like. I, I, I would t- I, and one thing I didn't go over, and I, and I, I, I want to say this because it's a pet peeve of mine, you can use any tracker that you want. I don't care who it is. But if you pick a tracker, and he comes out there, and, and you're not happy with him, don't blame the rest of us because <laughs> you picked the wrong guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying that all trackers are – I mean, there's not some good guys. I'm you, just saying you that – You can't say tracking doesn't work because one guy didn't get the exactly. job Exactly. And if you – there's certain guys who, who, do, who do this for a hobby. There's guys that do this for the money. Yeah. I don't want to do Bill and me a house for free. I'm just going to tell you my pain because he, he won't be there on time. He takes shortcuts. Things happen. You won't get somebody who, who, who can, at least you can say, hey, do I know anybody that you track for? Is there anybody that can vouch for you? On my page, you can go on my page and everybody I ever track for will tell you, oh, that dude and that dog are serious. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm coming out there. We're looking for your deer, and we're not leaving until you're satisfied. It's not dead, but we're not going to find it. Wow. And we're, we're going to go everywhere. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to end it. Yeah. I hate we appreciate it. This was yeah. a great Thank time. Thank you. Yeah, back on again. All right, guys. We'll we'll see you next week. Appreciate it. See y'all. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just after replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want 
If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.